0: This is Limit Up, a trading podcast presented by the performance coaches at Top Step. We discuss futures, forex,
1: stocks, options, history, trading psychology. Basically, if
0: you can trade it, we'll try our best to make sense of it. Now, on the show. Hello, all you traders. Welcome to the Limit Up podcast. A audio division of the Top Step Group. I'm Jack Pelzer, joined by Dan Hodgman from Geneva as usual. Dan, you busy this morning? You know what? I slept in this morning. I've had a long
1: week, a couple weeks, I should say. Time change messed with me a little bit. The alarm went off at 5.30. I said, screw you, alarm. I'm not doing anything this morning. And I slept
0: in until 8.15. I didn't get out of bed. I said, screw it. Yeah, I did that yesterday. So today we're recording on Tuesday. The clocks reset or sprung forward in the United States on Sunday morning at like two. And I wouldn't think one hour would totally mess with my day. But man, did it. I did the same thing on Monday morning. I got up and then just went back to bed for a while. I don't think usually it's hit me like this. This is like, obviously, we're,
1: we're now one year work from home. But I think the first time this happened last year wasn't as big of a deal because we were just all kind of in shock with our whole new life. But this year, like, I just, I didn't have it in me this morning. We got four inches of snow out there. And I'm over here thinking to myself, I'm like, you know what? What's going to happen if I show up a little late today? I'm just not going to trade. Or if I am, I'm just going to do my prep much later. And maybe I'll get something in the afternoon. But sometimes you just got to, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, you just got to take some time off. And I did that this morning.
0: Yeah, and that's a good point. Point because we're kind of what we're doing today, and I'm super excited to talk about this because it's one of those just rock and glamorous, sexy, destructive parts of trading and the psychology that goes into it. Today we're talking about going on tilt, and uh, we'll get all into that. But uh, part of the reason that maybe Dan and I are a little bit tired is we got a number of things going on right now at Top Step. Uh, we sent out the emails. Market Mania is here. Fill out your bracket. We got probably close to. Five or 600 by the time the first uh, 24 hours is up. Um, we're giving away trading combine subscriptions. We're giving away apparel gift codes. We don't have gift cards, do we, Dan? They're just codes. Well, they're called a card,
1: but it, you don't get a card. You just get a code.
0: But at the end, when you're signing out, it asks if you have a gift card and put your code here. Yeah. Listen, if you win and you want a card, I will fax you one. Just give me your fax address. You can't rely on me having a fax machine, but I'll find one (laughs) if you have one. We'll make this happen. Uh, Then you'll have to cut it out with some scissors. And then you're going to have to go put the code in on the website uh,
1: that's on the card.
0: Yes. Or you you can send me the card. If you want the full old school experience, you can then mail me that card back and I will input it for you. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we're also doing a technical analysis webinar series that starts tomorrow, which is yesterday for you. But it goes on for uh, Wednesday at 3 o'clock on March 17th, 24th, and 31. And that's going to cover technical and fundamental analysis, the basics of technical analysis, and the indicators that support it. So Dan and Hogue will be doing that. Should be a rocking good time. Yeah, it'll be a fun time. I'm looking forward to it. And
1: uh, we've talked about it in the past. you got to have some sort of understanding of both to be successful in this.
0: Great, and I just want to kind of get right into it, because today we're talking, going on Tilt, and I thought just like a a bad high school graduation speech, we would uh, be like, Merriam-Webster defines Tilt as, uh, but Merriam-Webster obviously doesn't have it. So Tilt is a term. (laughs) I think the definition in there would be just, it started to lean over. Yeah, something that's higher on the right than on the left, that is Tilt. Um. Dan before I give you the definition I'm going to reveal where people think the term came from. Do you know what know about this? Yeah, I mean I have the outline with it typed up on it. Well, now you've just ruined the magic. I've actually thought <laughs> I've thought about um keeping my own separate notes so I can surprise you on it. But I mean, um, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, I just didn't have time to do it this morning when I was outlining. Um so tilt is it's originally from a poker term. And it concerns mental or emotional confusion or frustration. I got this from Wikipedia, this part, in which a player adopts a less than optimal strategy, usually resulting in a player becoming over aggressive. It's closely associated with another poker term called steam. I don't play a lot of poker, so I don't know what that means. But in its simplest form, going on tilt means you lose everything that we talk about that you're supposed to be building, which is discipline, habits. You get down money, you get angry. And where the term comes from, Dan, is uh, people think it comes from pinball, in that people would go ape shit on a pinball machine and start trying to lift it up to move the ball around. And there was a uh, light up sign on a lot of these machines. If you see them, that the, yeah, like, it says tilt, tilt, uh, tilt, tilt, like you're cheating. We had a bunch of pinball machines
1: growing up in my parents' basement, and uh, we regularly. I, to be honest with you, I had no idea that this was related, but I do remember it growing up when we would try and tilt the pinball machines to get extra points to keep the ball on the high side in the, the ring-a-ding area, and I'll, always that light up top. We had, uh, we had a fun
0: one. It was a T-Rex one that the T-Rex would light up and scream tilt. Pinball is fun. When the, uh, all the lockdowns are done, I'm going to go somewhere and play me some pinball. There you Just go. like it's the, the 60s. Just come to Wisconsin. There is no lockdown. We'll see. <laughs> I got I figure I got about one more one more month I can make it through and then uh it'll all be good. Light at you the know, end of the I, tunnel.
1: On this topic of tilt and gambling, um I'm going to use this platform as a point to uh discuss some of my own struggles. Um about a week and a half ago, I was at a bar here in Wisconsin and here in Wisconsin we are big on this term this gambling thing called poll tabs and pull tabs basically what it is is a little piece of cardboard and you pull a tab out and you have like five or six little tabs on each cardboard and they're a dollar for a little thing and um each one you pull out you look to see if you win sometimes it's a buck well about a month and a half ago i won five hundred dollars on a pull tab and i've been riding that high ever since so (laughs) last uh, week and a half ago i was at the bar i had a twenty dollar bill i went or I had a twenty dollar, that was all I had, cash on me. I went and got twenty bucks worth of pull tabs, which is a pretty standard purchase,
0: is twenty bucks. So these are like physical scratch offs, it sounds like.
1: Yeah, but you pull the tab off. Okay. You okay. pull a tab instead of scratch. It's a bar, it's a total bar gig. So I got twenty bucks of pull tabs. I took a total of like six dollars of winnings, so I turned twenty into six. And I said, you know what? I made five hundred bucks a little while ago. I'm going to pull some cash out of the ATM and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take a stab here. I'm going to see if I can get that big thousand dollar winner today. So I pulled out a hundred or 200 bucks. Like, okay, I got cash for myself and I'll do another 40 to $60 in pull tabs. Well, I'm ashamed to admit that all $200 went into the pull tabs. I just deviated from the plan. I got on tilt. I was looking for the big winner. And I walked away losing all $200.
0: Yikes. <laughs> that that's, is, a, uh, that's a cable bill, in my opinion. Right. I was surprised. Well, if you had your cable there, you'd be set. You would know not to do that. So just for clarity, we all go on tilt. It happens. It's a regular thing.
1: And uh,
0: I had a plan.
1: I deviated from that plan. And it led me to losing all my money.
0: Well, that's the biggest thing about it. I wanna start, I'm gonna start with a historic example, a cautionary tale of one of our our favorite tragic trading stories ever. Um, But first it's important to know that everyone does do it from time to time. And the best traders are able to know or be aware when they're violating their own rules. Because the the end result is you start um, violating your own risk management rules you start, this is closely related to revenge trading, we'll get to later, it's basically you are not thinking clearly and you are executing your strategy, Uh, you're you're frantic is basically how I put it, you're just trying the damnedest to undo what's been done, is at least how I've experienced it. Case in point, and we could do a whole episode on this, and I want to sometimes because there's more articles that go in the depth about this, but I think we've mentioned before, now. Because you can see the story I'm about to tell. Is this the guy, do they have a, a day named after him on the uh, in the grain pits? Did Mick talk about this at some point? I believe they do. Okay, so we're going to tell a cautionary tale here of going on tilt and what can happen of Evan Dooley, who was a 40-year-old trader for a little firm you might have heard of called MF Global. Who was trading, there's so much I learned from reading these articles about him. He wasn't even in Chicago. He was in Memphis. It's a wild story. So we'll just give because this is mostly about going on Tilt. Maybe we'll do some research and come back with a full account of this story. But the headline is how the world became aware of Mr. Dooley. We should do a special on this. We should just get some old wheat traders to come in and talk about it. Cool. Well the, the the prime to pump, I'll give a little outline before we talk about more of Tilt in general. So In February, I believe late February of 2008, MF Global had an emergency conference call with their investors in which they disclosed that one of their wheat traders had managed to lose $141 million in wheat futures in a matter of days, I believe. And that was about one-fifth of their market cap And Dan, as I noted here, uh, Jeff Corzine took care of the rest of... Or John Corzine took care of the rest of that. (laughs) (laughs) But what happened was... And this is why I think this ties into the idea of knowing when you're in the right mental spot to trade and when there's desperation. I went into this story knowing nothing about Evan Dooley. And I thought it was going to be some asshole, kind of like the, um, the 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 guy from, what was the big French bank where the guy lost like $7 billion? Was it like BNP B, Paraby or something like that? Sounds right. Something like that. Not important, but when you hear, or during the subprime crisis, what makes this story, I think, pertinent to retail traders is that when you hear about these rogue traders losing billions of dollars, in a lot of instances, they do it through very complex products where the the systemic risk is unknown Uh, for instance if you think of like bear stearns they put themselves in a position where they were hugely over leveraged and it turns out all their equity would be wiped out if housing prices dipped like five percent or something so those tend to be the big big deal people at the top that are responsible for those sorts of rogue trading losses that was not evan Dooley. Evan Dooley was on the rocks at this time. Uh, he had a lot of money problems. He apparently lost his house and had his car repossessed before. He's, his wife had just been diagnosed with breast cancer. His mom had just died. And as far as I could tell, and we'll explore this in a full episode, he just decided, this is what was in his sentencing deposition, because he eventually went the was sentenced to five years in prison, is he just decided that, he was going to get rid of all his money problems at once. And he decided he was going to do this by buying thousands, yes, thousands of wheat futures. And he also decided to do this on the one day where apparently people knew that this was happening too. MF Global had turned off their internal risk controls, which <laughs> is which is crazy. So, Dan, if you have anything to add before I...
1: I'm just sitting here. I had a, I worked with a trader that went on tilt that kind of did one of these things one time. And I just keep going back to that experience and, and running through my head just all the signs that should have been caught. You know, you have a trader that his car gets repossessed, his wife gets breast cancer, his mom is sick. From a managerial standpoint, should be catching up on those signs. Knowing your traders, this story is awful in so many
0: sense. Oh, absolutely. And it, it's so much more like once you start learning about the human part of it, it, it's 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 rough. I I definitely like feel for the guy. He I think also had substance and um you know alcohol and gambling problems as well. Once again, all things that they should pick up on or certainly not remove that person from their right. internal risk if you control. got an employee that's living in memphis but trading in
1: chicago you should regularly be checking in him.
0: maybe have him come to chicago every couple of
1: weeks just to see how things are going especially if he has access to trade thousands and thousands and thousands of outright futures like that
0: yeah and that is what this really talks about and like it makes perfect sense why mf global eventually collapsed making bad bets on um european bonds right but i was i we were very
1: involved in the 2011 one uh with mf globals when i was looking at stuff and i just saw mf global i thought we were going that route and thinking i remember when they shut down and locked up all clearing firms dowd westcott was in the process of purchasing them and i
0: cleared through dowd westcott and uh Everyone got locked up. Well, you know what we'll do in the next couple of weeks. I'll say within the month, we'll do a whole episode that'll be about Evan dooley and m f Global because I think so, so let's not give away too much now. Um, I too was connected to that through the company I used to work for. We luckily got out of dodge before um m f Global went under but um basically, not extreme, but things like that happen to everyone like hopefully, I hope that all our traders out there aren't facing the same problems as Mr. Dooley was. But his mindset really kind of showed me exactly the the concept of tilt. It's F it. I'm down this much or I, I, I need the money now, which is why we always say only trade what you can lose and why it's so hard to be a professional trader full time where you have to make money to pay your bills that way. And I think one important thing to note too, when you look at
1: this concept, yeah, 141 million, you know, that's a number that people stick out, but it's all scalable. And when we talk scalable, a lot of times everyone's like, well, can I scale it up? It also is re- reverse scalability. It can scale down. So if you're in an account, let's just simply talk about a trading combine here at Top Step. You are, have a trailing max draw down of 4,500 bucks. You're down Thirty-five hundred overall in the account, so you're thousand bucks away, and you say to yourself, "Well, I got two options here: I can take that shot, and whatever happens happens, or I can try and slowly trade out of this." A lot of times, I hear about or I see traders trying to take that shot to get out of it, and it's the exact same concept. Maybe it's only a thousand of risk, and not one hundred forty-one million, but the concept still applies. And if you start If you apply those principles when you are trading in this simulated environment or you're trading on the small scale, when you do get to that big scale, or you get to that live account, you have started to ingrain these principles within you so that when it does happen, because the one time it works is the one time you're going to remember, not the 99 times it didn't work. And so you'll always remember that one time, and so it's important to remember That no matter what, if that process or that thought comes into your head, F it, let's just take a shot.
0: Well, probably not someone I want to be trading with. I'll just, to be blunt. No. And it is about management of it because we all do it. I just threw in a couple things out there. Like, I'm sure he wouldn't mind us telling it because I think you mentioned it. Our founder, MP, well, famously kind of tilted away a bunch of $30,000 accounts but you can yep. read about that in our emails. But even, what, what was it, last week or the week before where he was talking about how he had just made some trades that he was just getting chopped up on. and Yeah, he had been looking for the short side of things.
1: We had short opportunities, and he started selling the dips instead of selling the the rips up. And um, he knew it, and he kind of got caught. He called me a couple times. I ended up uh, logging him out of the account, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and not on purpose, but I logged him out on accident, and he calls me really quick. He goes, you logged me out. I'm like, oh, shoot, I'm sorry. He's like, you know what? No, it's probably good, and uh, he's like, I'm going to go skiing,
0: and he signed out. That's the right way to do it, and like we talked about with social trading and community last week, a lot of times when you're getting into being on tilt, the people around you notice first, Right. I, I didn't even talk but I could tell by the way say MP was slacking us about it that he was not winning trades right there um or you and your call and that's why you if you work at a prop shop they have a risk manager who specifically does that unless you're at mF Global in two thousand eight you know personally what I would do that would be the ultimate tilt move is because we were trading all these um butterfly spreads so you'd have a lot of futures on basically hedge against cash and they're Hedged in such a way that you don't want to be off what we call outrights, which is just being naked, uh, long or short futures. So what you do, something goes against you, you add. Goes further against you, you add some more. It goes a little further against you, you add some more. You're near your... Just
1: leverage. You're just readjusting your average price. Yeah. You're getting a better entry. Well,
0: here's here, here's the real tilt part. And don't do this, people. But like, it's what happens. Is you have than your daily loss limit at the firm, at which point you're going to be liquidated out of your position. And you're at a point with all this position on where you're far enough away that if you get out of this now, just from slippage, just from mishedging, you are absolutely going to finish flat lower than your loss limit for the day. But what do you do? No way I'm starting to puke this position until I see a print that is below my loss limit and then what do you do you start legging out rights (laughs) right you start taking off 50 futures and hoping hoping that the other side gets it and what do you do you puke that side and then before you know it you end the day flat uh down 120 percent of your loss limit and you got the risk manager uh having a stern talking with you three and a half years ago i think it was the first time i wasn't
1: trading under prop firm with the risk manager um, but it was 100% on my own accounts. And I've always had my own accounts that I did small stuff in, but I wasn't ever really trading the big timers. And um, I was trading with a little bit of size. It starts to go against me. And I thought to myself, I'm way too confident in this uh, in this direction. I know where it's going. And I think everyone has had these moments where you know where it's going and Chances are it's probably going to go there, but what's it going to do to get there first? And so I started adding on, adding on, uh, and finally got to a point where I felt like I was on a pure hemorrhage, lost large five figures of my own cash, and uh, finally closed that position. And I think the closing of the position was the best feeling I've ever had, even though I just lost, you know, a year's worth of mortgages and it felt like such a relief. And then I had a couple days of panic and anxiety and, oh shit, what did I just do? But after I quit trading, I didn't trade for like a month and a half. And um, when I got back to it, I mean, it was a great lesson for me. Like I've You know, I had 50, 60, 70 grand down days at the prop firm, never on my own account, but at the prop firm. But we were also trading leverage size. We had bigger opportunity. We were looking for... We had bigger numbers. We were doing team stuff as well. Um, So those numbers really weren't a big factor if you're at a prop firm. But if it's your
0: own cash, it's quite frightening. Right. But what you got to watch out for is the concept remains the same, though, right? I mean... I like what you said about once you were flat, it was a good feeling. You know what the damage in to me, the worst thing is having a position on that you don't know like how this is going to end as far as because especially with some of those prop shops because I'm sure it's the same way you're trading a bunch of bigger hedge positions. It's like there could come that moment, sort of like uh, you know, Matthew McConaughey, Wolf of Wall Street type thing, where it's just like, whoosh. And then, yeah. you, you know, you were at something that was really making you hurt. And then it's four times worse. You know, the, the, I, I've just heard absolute horror stories of that. I've, I've, seen, right. I've seen people lose over $2 million overnight. Mm-hmm. I've watched it from all over the places. And I, I like, you know, the
1: point you make, there is such an unknown when you're in that. When you get on tilt, you know, when you're in a good trade or a bad trade, whether it's right or wrong, profitable or loss, we know where we're getting in. We know where we're getting out. We have our stops in place. And there's really no stressor involved in that, in my opinion. Like if I'm just trading normal without any issues and no, not on tilt or anything, I, I know where my entries, I know where I'm getting in. I know where I'm getting stopped out if it goes against me. When we get on tilt, what I see is you start to lose that sense of knowing you're out, right? Yeah. Just come on, just please turn around. You're doing everything you can. You're praying to every God there is in the world. I mean, you're doing everything because you don't know where your out is. The only out is the moment you say, all right, SOS, 911, cancel all, get out of this thing. That's your only exit. You're not putting a stop in there and saying, well, if it's a stop, I'm getting out. No, you just
0: keep letting it go. So this goes into some of the signs that you should be cognizant of. I mean, the big one is... Do I have way more size than I usually do on? And I'm in the red on the trade. That's a big one, which is kind of connected to uh, the idea. If I weren't in this position, if I were flat and had a zero P&L, would I get out of it here? If I were up a bunch of money and was just handed this position, would I still stay in it? These are all things to think about, and lastly, I think a real important one is um, I read some article. I, I wish I could remember who did it. Was talking about their things to look. I think it was SMB Capital or something like that. Was talking about for a lot of people, there's some level of being down, and it's different for everyone. You know, it depends on your risk tolerance. That nothing good happens below that. Like Dan said, once in a blue moon, you'll get lucky and get completely bailed out and it's happened we to me. all have yeah we
1: all have it, it's it, happened to me i have no problem admitting i have gotten
0: the luck of the irish on my side but i got saved once by somebody like a, a fake tweet sent from someone that hijacked the ap news account right <laughs> it's like how it's and then of course after it happened i was like man i am such a badass trader." And then it was like, no, the other 99 times out of 100, that probably happened over my career. I just got stopped out that day. I got one
1: of my luckiest ones, and I hate admitting it, was um, a school shooting a few years ago. Oof. And it was against me. And when that happened, the markets panicked. And it, I was fortunate to get out of my position in a in a good spot, but, you know... What's the moral cost on that one?
0: Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to be a ghoul. That could be an other. Once I like that we're coming up with some other ideas for episodes because I have some stories from a long years I've heard from people about that. That that could be interesting.
1: The nine eleven, the nine eleven stuff. You yeah, know, that's a that's a moral compass issue across the board. You know, it could be an interesting topic to review.
0: Yeah, I, I want to be. I I have a lot of thoughts about that and i think that it would be worth doing an episode or so because it's almost such like a heavy topic that i don't want to just kind of like spew off the top of my head at 10 30 a.m on a tuesday right i mean it is a really difficult topic got to think a lot through that one
1: because there is there's tv shows that talk about it you know billions is one that kind of dives into what happened back then I love that show too. So if you're looking for a good show to watch that's uh, gonna you're gonna enjoy in the evenings on these cold snowy nights, uh, check out Billions.
0: I am, especially since they have like a, a trading psychologist on it, right? A performance. Yeah, they have a they have a performance coach, a legit performance coach. Well, once you've recognized uh, kind of the reason they have performance coaches is like once you've recognized that you're being suboptimal with your decisions, um, what you choose to do. It's similar to kind of what we talked about last week. It's, I would say, don't be afraid. In fact, do tighten your risk metrics if you're trading poorly. If there's one thing that I feel like discipline-wise, that I think this is something that's so much easier if you're at a firm which does it for you. So if you're at a firm, they will just like give you an email being like, this is your new risk limit. And then you can like lobby for them to go up if you're doing well. But when you're by yourself, if you have the cash to put in a broker's account, there's no one who's going to be like, hey, man, (laughs) slow down. Right. And that's the thing that I think is lost
1: when it comes to working from home and the retail aspect is we talk discipline a lot. But what does it take to be disciplined? It takes accountability to hold that you hold you to that discipline, right? Because it's. It can still be considered discipline if you say, well, I changed my rules in the middle of the day and said I could lose 5,000 instead of 1,000. Oh, but I stuck to my rules. Oh, okay. Well, you stuck to your rules. No one's holding you accountable to it.
0: You changed your rules midday. Okay, fine. Yeah, it's almost the most important part of trading is probably protecting what you have. It's it's managing risk. But I think that people should spend time not just thinking about how they're going to develop as a trader or looking at the indicators and the actual, we'll just call it Trade execution, trade management, versus thinking like because you probably won't have a designated risk manager as a professional trader. Think about how you would allocate funds. Like, be honest. If you can't be honest with yourself, I mean, who can you be honest with? Think about if you worked for a firm, they would be giving you more of a risk limit based on how efficiently you use that capital. And if you find yourself struggling, be your own risk manager and be, be cut cut that down because you're not you're just throwing bad money or throwing good money after bad at that point. And then on the same side, have a system, have a plan for how you're going to increase your size, increase the amount you have in there if you're trading well. I usually do that, I would say like on a weekly or monthly basis. I think we did a coach's playbook once. I wouldn't do it daily. I wouldn't be like, man, I knocked it out of the park yesterday, better double my size today because that's that's how you erase that day the people that do that usually follow up with an awful day oh definitely that feeling of invincibility it never lasts for too long right not at all so but yeah definitely take the time
1: reassess readjust typically if you have a really bad day the next day you come in that needs to be an immediate assessment following a really good day nope no immediate stuff if you've been running pretty well for a month or two straight, hey, by all means, make those adjustments. Uh, give yourself some more leverage. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm not one to shy away and say, well, you know, I like trading and I like to manage my risk and I want to minimize my prop No, I'm here because I like to make money. I'm not going to beat around the bush on that one. I want to make as much money possible doing this. I don't want to work past 45 years old type thing, but it's a balance. It's a definite balancing act. You know, manage your risk. Be smart about the decisions but when you're when you're knocking it out of the park take advantage of that cuz it's not always that that's going to happen so start taking some cash start leveraging in when you get to that point you just don't can't be too premature on it right you have to you have to give it its due diligence and the second it goes wrong instead of going on tilt and leveraging up be quick to say all right hang on Hang on, I'm struggling here. Let's just downsize really quick. Let's cut, cut back a little size. bit. Let's get some winnings.
0: Cut it in half. Let's get some Why green. not?
1: Yeah. I'll tell a lot of traders too when they, you know, they're having one of those week or two weeks where they haven't had a winner. I'll just say put on a one lot. If you can pick up a tick, take the tick and it's a green day and then shut it off. If you can get that one tick, psychologically, just getting that one green day under your belt really helps kind of
0: reverse the track that you're on. Yeah, set, you know, set your stops, take a walk, just, and, and like we talk about taking time off, you know, just don't be afraid to take that day off if you're you, you know, you need to be a your slump buster, right? And it's no, you know, people put too much of their ego, kind of what you said about money is that that is the purpose. And I think people's ego gets too involved in trading. And even if they're by themselves, they start getting these very negative feelings, you know, if if you're not trading well, it doesn't make you a bad person. It, not at all. I mean, some of the biggest... <laughs> not. I'm not going to use a word here. Like uh, D-bags, I know, are really good <laughs> traders. I mean, it, it, it kind oh. of goes both ways. So don't take it as a personal thing. Just adjust and make the best choice there. I mean, like the best pitchers in baseball, Hall of Famers, they get pulled sometimes. It happens.
1: Right. You don't hang your hat on yourself about how your trading is this week or today or last month. I mean, you got to have tough skin and balance that work to life. And if this work and this trading is hindering that regular social life, that personal life that you have family life whatever it is, relationships around you, if it's if you're starting to have an issue with the two, drop the trading for a bit. Like it's not that important. If you're reliant on making money this week to financially survive, you're probably in the wrong in- industry as it is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, so the second you start hanging your hat on how good of a trader you are, and that's going to define your life, you got bigger issues. You got to start thinking outside of the trading.
0: I think that's a good kind of last word on tilt for now. And now we've whole. I mean,
1: this was a pretty blunt and forward conversation we had today.
0: I mean, you have to be because I. Everybody goes on tilt, and the way that people handle it, I think, is... Because, you know, I feel like we can't preach discipline and habits and all that stuff without talking about sort of what happens when you don't, right? The other side. And I, I think sometimes people think too much about the trades themselves being bad versus their mindset or... You know, sometimes traders were described as like scrappy, gritty. That's all good and well, but you don't want to be, you know, like Dan, have you seen the movie uh, Bad Lieutenant? I haven't. Oh, watched sometimes. But basically, it's this cop's life is completely falling apart over a week because he keeps on losing bets on the World Series and just doubles down each time. And as he double downs each time is losing. It's just everything's going to hell. Yeah, sounds about right. So, don't be Harvey Keitel from Bad Lieutenant or Nick Cage from Bad Lieutenant Port of Call, New Orleans, which I have not <laughs> seen yet. So, anyway, thanks for listening to the podcast today. Be sure to rate us and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever it is, Spotify, some SoundCloud. SoundCloud. That's, that's where we drop our rap album. We're going to become SoundCloud rappers, Dan perfect i'm down all right i got
1: the mics for it now i got the headphones
0: that make me look cool oh yeah well dan they're not called headphones now they're called cans once they're over the ear like that you gotta put on your studio hands oh, well i mean they're, they're cans? called the headphones too but if you want the lingo oh, man
1: i'm learning all the hip lingo
0: yeah i found out last night that
1: TikTok was supposed to be for gen z and uh i don't think i'm gen z and i love
0: some tick scrolling through some TikTok. right on well if you can do some of that um Once again, be sure to fill out your bracket for Market Mania. Check out the technical analysis webinar, Coach's Playbook, Forecast is every uh, morning at 8 a.m. on YouTube, and then the recap's at 3, right, Dan? Yep, that's correct. All good stuff. So for everyone out there, have a wonderful weekend. Namaste, and trade well. Limit Up is presented by Top Step and produced by Dante32.